down the highway, headed to the range. Gonna knock them out strong, but I feel a little pain. Got an old brown bag, big stick in the back, but the grass don't grow. Gonna take a few hacks. There's a place for you if you're just like me. I'm Jack Rich, yelling at the TV. I have a nothing to want, but it won't hurt. Got myself a big stick, swinging in the dirt. Welcome to the PGA Premium Podcast. Presented by Daily Roto. I'm Christopher Pacheco, and joining me to discuss the Dell Technologies Championship is Colin Drew and a guest that we are very excited to have in this podcast. Uh, but before we get to the golf, though, I did want to plug in our uh, NFL packages, which uh, you can already sign up for uh, over at dailyroto.com slash premium. Uh, our best value is certainly the seasonal package. It's $99.99. Uh, all the packages are going to contain the same content. So if you do the monthly or the weekly, you're still going to get the same uh, the same content as a season long. Uh, but that's our best value, $99.99. We're including a lineup optimizer this season, which we are very excited about. And by the way, that's for no added cost, too. So it's it's a bargain of a deal, and, and we're very excited to to be releasing this product uh, here shortly. Uh, but Colin, how about you introduce our guest uh, for this week? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Really excited about NFL. Also really excited about the guest that we have this week, a guy that I go way back with the Slurve days. We were doing some game theory podcasts. I was doing some lunchtime chats over there. Most people are going to be most familiar with him from the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast and the work that he did over at the Fantasy Fanatics. Of course, I'm talking about Brad Messer-Smith. He goes on Twitter by DFS, And it's a guy who also produces his own ownership projections on a weekly basis. So if we're not playing head-to-head in golf, we're always playing head-to-head on the ownership projections. Brad, what's going on? I, uh, I appreciate the intro. You, you paint me in a, a, a good light, man. That, that, that all sounded really good. I, I, I can't say I, uh, I paint myself in the, in the same light, but happy to be on. Looking forward to talking some golf. I, I can't turn the opportunity down to talk golf, uh, anytime, any day of the week, you know? For sure. I was going to say, I was almost going to say you might be the most eligible free agent in DFS golf right now. <laughs> that's that painting me in an even better light I, at this point i feel like i'm sort of just floating out on the water you know and i'm fine <laughs> with it to be honest with you i for those of you who don't know I, i'm giving away my ownership projections for free um have you compared your projections to mine actually that's this is like uh an ask me anything for uh for colin right now <laughs> i i don't do it every week but i try to i try not to look at it uh before just because like i've got to a place with my model that i feel like I trust it, and I mess up some weeks, but I like to look at them afterwards when I'm wrong on guys and see if I was wrong on the same guys as other people or if I missed something. And so that's definitely something that I always always do. Uh, I think you know we can definitely get into it this week as we go through the plays. Um, Chris, do you want to talk to us a little bit about the event that we got this week? Absolutely, Colin. Let's talk about the Dell Technologies Championship. Uh, this is a 90-man field. Top 70 will play through the weekend, and ties, of course, will make the cut uh, for this event. It's the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Last week was the first leg, um, and this this event will be taking place in TPC Boston, uh, which is usually a 7,300-yard par 71. It features two par fives, uh, I believe once on the front, once on the back. 
the winning score here is typically uh, in the mid-teens with the cut line, usually around one over par. So I'm expecting this event to play a little bit friendlier, certainly, than, than the event last week. Um, maybe, maybe it would be right around the same, but in, in my mind, this will play a little bit friendlier. In terms of in terms of the scoring environment, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, with uh, a ninety man a ninety man field and a and top seventy going through through the cut, that's eighty percent of the field that's that's going to be making the cut. So you'll be able to uh, take a little bit of risk here here and there uh, in all formats. Um, with that being said, I I think that we can start talking about the plays and. How we do it on this podcast, it's, it's very simple. We go over on DraftKings and we, we basically talk through the, through the pricing tiers. Uh, we start all the way at the very top with the high price guys and then we talk, uh, punts. Um, so that's, that's how we're going to approach this once again. Um, Colin, let's start at the very top. Uh, we have Jordan Spieth at 12-1 and Dustin Johnson at 12K. These are, very appropriate price tags for these guys. If you wanted to play them in any format, you definitely could. DJ's coming off a win. Uh, but I, I certainly didn't feel like DJ had been playing bad. He just, he, he kind of hadn't put it all together. And then last week he, he went out there and, and got the win. So, um, perhaps now he'll be on a roll. I have no issues deploying him this week. Uh, but the way that I'm building lineups, it's a little bit more balanced. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I'll have one of these guys in cash. But in tournaments, I certainly don't mind it. Uh, Colin, I'll start with you. What, what's your lean here if you have one? Yeah, just real quick clarification. I think I threw you off with the uh, poor editing on the cheat sheet. But, yeah, there are three par fives, two, two par fives in the front and then one in the back. So depending where guys tee off, it's possible that they can get like a, a wraparound shot at mm-hmm. the 18th and then the second for like a birdie streak. But that, that will only come up in kind of the rarest of circumstances on the weekend or something like that. Um, and then just quick notes about like the course and how it sets up, you know, I, b- before we get into the plays, which is why I think you'll hear me say I like DJ a little bit more than speed this week. Um, but like Rory won it last year, but a lot of the top TD Green players were guys like Paul Casey, Sergio, Ryan Moore, Adam Scott, DJ, Jason Duffner. And in the years past, it's been similar names, along with some guys like Henrik Stenson, Ricky Fowler. Um, it's not overtly a bomber's course, I don't think, uh, but I think it's one where you have to be putting the ball in play off the tee, and the guys who are able to get it out there a good distance and keep it in the fairway are going to have a good a good chance. And I think that's why, like, to me, it's always kind of flip a coin between Spieth and DJ at, at this point. Um, and then I'll let the, the tiebreaker go to the course fit. And I think DJ has got a slight edge in course fit. Unfortunately, between that and his win last week, um, I also think he'll kind of come in at the highest ownership of those two. Um, interested in kind of Brad's take on and the ownership between those two. Right now, my lean is kind of the same to you. Like, I definitely think they're the best plays, and you can fit them in because 80% of the field makes the cut. But I'm feeling more comfortable with balanced builds. Uh, Brad, what do you think about the ownership between the top two guys? Yeah, so to start out, I think, you know, the ownership is is probably going to lean DJ as well. Um, I've got DJ right now at right around 27% and Spieth around 20%. I could actually see that number swing a bit 
towards DJ and away from Spieth as the week goes on. Wouldn't be surprised to see Spieth at something like 17% at the end of the week and, and DJ up towards, um, probably doesn't break 30, but up, up sort of towards that range. That may be his ceiling. Um, you know, the, the obvious reason is because DJ is coming off of a win. Um, everybody knows, you know, everybody watched the showdown. Hopefully, if you didn't go back and watch it, cause it was damn sure entertaining. Um, to me, I think I want to lean Spieth for that same reason. I, I sort of agree with you that the course fit kind of leans towards DJ as well. I think, um, I'll disagree a little bit. I think that bombers are probably going to have a little bit of an advantage here. But at the end of the day, it sort of reminds me of last week a little bit. I think there's there's some some distance characteristics here, but it largely it's it's a tee to green course. Um, <clears throat> I see a little bit of like three putt avoidance type stats show up, but in general, I think we're going to see guys that are second shot guys uh, really perform well here. To me, that screams either DJ or Spieth, um, and given the fact that Spieth gets a little bit of an ownership. Uh, bump down um salary wise they're almost the same I, I could i could see taking speed more than dj and uh go underweight on dj compared to the field i probably won't put either of them in my cash lineup though so then on DraftKings, you have john rom justin thomas and hideki matsuyama who's now 10-1 uh over on that side those are your three 10k players um Hideki 10-1. I, I mean, I realized that last week uh, he wasn't he wasn't good. He missed a cut, uh, but wasn't it just last week he was like the highest priced player in in the field? Like I, I think at this price tag, um, I'm gonna want some Hideki this week. Obviously, from a course fit perspective, if you're gonna favor bombers, you have to like Justin Thomas. But the price tag now is appropriate. And, and, yeah, for, and sorry, Colin, I, I meant to throw it, throw it to you. <laughs> I was going to say, for me, like, uh, I'm willing to look past Hideki's performance last week a little bit. Um, it, it's, we've seen him bounce back before. It, it's been a long time since Hideki had a down round, but, you know, the memorial was one of those rounds and, and he took a few weeks off afterwards, bounced back at the Open Championship, US Open. This is kind of, you know, for me, I'm willing to like take one down round from Hideki and still jump back on the horse. Uh, Justin Thomas. So when I was, you know, from a bomber's perspective, like, I mean, Justin Thomas is not just a, you're a bomber, right? right? He, he's great putting at times and he's got elite approach game as well. And so, um, I think, you know, he's still in play, but I do prefer Hideki slightly and I prefer Rom over Justin Thomas as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely looking for, Guys who um, who hit the ball long but can also keep the ball in play. I think JT can spray it a little bit, and so not that he's in the field, but like a JB Holmes type is someone who I think's a bomber but doesn't keep the ball in play enough to compete here. And so I'm really trying to look for kind of like a like a, a ball striking stat that I like to look at is just combining the strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach opposed to the traditional ball striking. And to me, that has Rom kind of number one out of this trio, followed by Hideki and JT in third. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with Rom and I'm okay with Hideki and I, I'm a little bit concerned about JT for a lot of the same reasons you just mentioned. I think, um, you know, distance off the tee is an advantage, but JT, we sort of associate getting himself in trouble. Um, 
when you look at the, they call them chocolate drops. I don't know why on this course, but it's essentially a bunker with a, a just a shitload of of really thick rough around this bunker. So to me, that screams like big numbers for JT, which scares me on this course. And when you look at the guys around him, I mean, Hideki is probably my favorite play in this range. He's coming off a miscut, especially in tournament GPPs. We're looking at a guy who can easily win this event, makes great sense on this course. He's ranked really highly in my model. He, you know, he has good course history or, or at least marginal course history. But the thing about Hideki is that he's played out of his depth basically this entire year. When you look back at his history, he's, he doesn't seem like the same golfer based on the eye test alone. Mm-hmm. But to me, Hideki, second shot guy, has the distance off the tee is going to probably avoid three putts. He's going to be making his putts. If he can find a little bit, you know, a little bit of heat in his putter, Hideki can win this tournament. He's 10-1. Um, Chris, you said just a second ago, Hideki was the highest priced golfer last week. So, you know, to me, you get a huge discount with Hideki. Everything speaks towards Hideki, you know, being able to perform here, doing well on this, on this course. And he's going to get a, a pretty big ownership discount because he's coming off a miscut. Well, we do have a question on Twitter. I believe it was the only question that we got, um, and it was Eric who asked us if Rory is too risky to roster in cash this week with the injury concerned uh, at that at that discounted price tag. And he, here's the deal with Rory: he's already announced that he will shut down uh, for three and a half months uh, following his particip- uh, participation at Dunhill Links Championship. Uh, so clearly he's playing under some sort of discomfort, and I, I believe it's some rim, uh, ribs discomfort. Uh, 9800 clearly a very good price tag for Rory with a clean uh, bill of health, but that that's the one thing that he does not have uh, right now. And quite frankly, from a cash game perspective, and I do play a lot of cash games, I, I just don't want to take any sort of, of risk like this. Uh, from a tournament perspective, if you think the ownership, um, you know, won't be massive, I can understand firing here because of the talent and the price tag. Uh, I just think any sort of withdrawal risk for me from a cash game perspective, uh, it's an avoid for me, especially uh, on a field where 80% of players are going to make it through the cut. Uh, Brad, I'm going to ask you first, uh, what are your thoughts on Rory this week? Yeah, so for cash, I'm going to take the the easy answer here, and, and it's a no for me. Um, I think when you look when you look at the guys around him, I, I would prefer going up to Hideki. I would I would much rather prefer going down to to Ricky. I think probably um, you know if you're making one cash lineup, I, I think you 100% never start with Rory. Um, in my opinion, you probably start with Ricky almost every time, and I, I'm interested to see what Colin thinks about that take. But um, Rory in GPPs, to me, is is actually an interesting play. I think his ownership is going to be is going to be fairly low. He was seven percent owned last week. Right now, he's being talked up quite a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he he's going to slide back. I think his ownership is going to be very low in GPPs. The thing is, as an industry, we sort of tend to overplay injuries. And I'm not saying that Rory's injury is not significant and that it's not serious because we have seen them, but this is a guy who's won twice on this course, and his B game, 
is, you know, top, top 30, top 25. So, you know, if, if Rory can get through four rounds and play semi-decent golf, he has a chance to win this thing. And I don't think people are, are cognizant of that fact. People are sort of, you know, saying that Rory has come out in the media and said, I'm not going to play. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be off for all this time. Here he is playing. He's teeing it up. Last year, he won the FedEx Cup. He started with a 31st place finish. Last week, he was 34th. If he finds a way to, to play four rounds and be even 95% healthy, he can win this event. I mean, this course plays great to his strengths. And we get the opportunity to roster a golfer who's an elite golfer that should be at very, very low ownership. So for GPP purposes, I really actually kind of like Rory McIlroy more than I like guys like Ricky Fowler or even Jason Day in this range. Yeah, and and, and Colin, before, before you, you throw a note in there, I did want to say Jason Day is trending positively uh, of late, has been playing better of late for sure. Uh, at 9,500, just from a cash game perspective, I feel much better uh, about that. Obviously, Day, another guy that seems to to get hurt at times, but as of right now, I haven't heard anything about him struggling with with any any sort of of issues. Uh, so I think at 9,500, I like it. Um, but Colin, back to you. What are your thoughts on Rory this week? <laughs> yeah, at first I thought he was going to be low owned and. Sent out like a tweet about how I was just going to jam him again, play him again. I mean, the guy's not dead, right? Like he, it's <laughs> it's not like he's been missing cuts regularly. Came in fourth at the Open Championship, fifth at the WGC event, top twenty-five at the PGA, and then thirty-fourth last week. So he's not dead. Over the same time period, he's been driving the ball better than anybody on tour, including Dustin Johnson. His approach game hasn't been there. His short game's been all right, and then Rory kind of always is a mediocre putter. So that's kind of what he's been doing. Um, so if the if the ownership break was there, I'd be super excited about playing him in tournaments. Without kind of adjusting for his injury at all, he's popping into all of my optimal builds along with Ricky Fowler. Um, so I think from a cash perspective, if I was just going to play the two of them, like I, I feel a little bit better about Ricky just because in case anything does happen um, to Rory where he, something flares up, like he's not going to push it, but... I think the fact that he said he's planning to play through October shows that he's not expecting anything to be an unbearable level of pain. So I'm going to be waiting until late late Thursday to refine my ownership projection and kind of see how it shakes out, uh, just because I am interested in playing him at a discount. And I think that his sort of injury is a little bit overrated compared to you know, how he's been hitting the ball with some of the underlying strokes game metrics. Um, definitely it's not the same thing that you did with Day as far as uh, finally kind of getting his shit together a little bit tee to green. He's been putting well for kind of back to his previous levels for, you know, the past like six or eight events. And so um, I think, you know, Day seems like it's, it's not necessarily like a perfect fit, but it seems like he's a little bit safer for, for cash at this point and, and definitely offers more appeal to me than someone like Louis, Louis stays in. So for me, from like a cash perspective, probably looking at Hideki, looking at Ricky, looking at day, and then um, feel super comfortable with like Paul Casey and Matt Kuchar. Yep. Uh, let's talk about those names. Uh, that's, that's going to be our next tier. 
of golfers. Paul Casey, 8,900. Matt Kuchar, 8,800. Brooks Kepka, 8,700. Uh, nice price for, for Brooks. Uh, you get Patrick Reed at 8,500. Sergio at 8,400. That's, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued there, though the last couple times, uh, that, that he's played, it, he hasn't been great or, or certainly not as, as great as he was, uh, towards the beginning of the season. Um, but you also have Charlie Hoffman in this range, Webb Simpson, Gary Woodland, who's now, I believe, priced appropriately. Though I, I do still have a little bit of GPP interest there. Um, yeah, I mean, for safety, Kucher, Casey, Scream, safety from a cash game perspective. Uh, if I had to go for one of them in tournaments, uh, I would, I would probably go Casey, um, and Kepka. I really like that price for Kepka. Um, what, Brad, I'll start with you. Um, what are, what are the names that you like the most in this range? Uh, it, it can be in, in really any format of your choosing. Yeah, so Casey and Kucher, I think, are almost 100% going to end up in my cash lineup. You can make some really nice lineups with, like, a, a Ricky, Casey, Kucher start to your cash lineup or, or sort of fill in the blanks after that. But those three guys, to me, feel like they're they're definitely some strong guys, guys you should strongly consider in cash. Um, I'll probably play a little bit of Casey and Kucher in tournaments. If you're playing something like 50 to 100 lineups, I would advise the same. If you're playing something less than that, I'll probably defer to Colin because he does more of that than I do. But um, I, I'm okay with Kefka. I have I have some concerns sort of in the short term with him. Um, he's you know coming in not playing that great for what we expect from from Kefka. He's sort of trending downward, which I don't like to see coming into the FedEx Cup. Um, generally, we sort of see these guys like you know like Spieth, like DJ, you know fill in the blanks trend sort of upwards into these big events like majors and, and the FedEx cup. It scares me a little bit to see Kepka trending the opposite direction. A guy who's trending upward though is Patrick Reed. And to me, I, I think I have, I have a pretty strong interest in Reed in, in tournaments. I and mean, he's got really nice course history here. Um, he's, you know, like I said, he's trending upward. He's finished top 20 in three of the last, Four events he's played, he's made all the cuts there and has finished second place um, at the PGA. So Patrick Reed really piques my interest. I'm not sure what his ownership is going to be, but it's probably not going to be significant. So you know, a, a guy like Patrick Reed at the end of the at, at, you know Monday or w- whenever they finish, I think it's Monday when he when he lifts the trophy, you're not going to be surprised if it's Patrick Reed. And to get a guy like that at 8,500. To me, in this event, it is an opportunity, so I'll be jumping on him. No, I, I mean uh, to to go on on that note of guys that are trending positively. Kevin Kevin Chapel is another one that you know from Tita Green from a Tita Green perspective, uh, he's been doing really really well for like four or five straight events. Um, so at eighty six hundred, uh, I'm not sure there'll there'll be massive ownership there. I do like that name for GPP though. Uh, Colin, what what are your thoughts on this range? To me, the Paul Casey is clearly the best play in this range. I, I mean, he almost like broke my tableau form viz <laughs> with how good his approach <laughs> game has been for multiple consecutive weeks. Had to expand the filter a little bit to capture all that upside that he's been showing, um, and the the results have been there too. And it just 
it's like a guy who is, I guess, has a reputation for not necessarily finishing events, but that was right. kind of the same reputation that Sergio had earlier this year until he changed that narrative pretty quickly. And the thing about Casey is I have him coming in like high 20s ownership and some three max or single entries. I could see that clipping above 30%, and it becomes a lot like to me, he's the one I'm most terrified about fading just because it feels like a breakout's been looming. Um, and then I, th- I think just from like, uh, you know, comparing, uh, you know, the T20 odds to the ownership percentage that I have, um, I like Kucher as a kind of safe potential pivot off of that. And then Brooks as, uh, you know, a, a guy whose ownership I think will be the lowest of any player in this range. And I, I think, you know, some of the underlying stats aren't great. A couple, you know, two of the last three events he's struggled with his strokes gained around the green and the last two events specifically, he wasn't putting as well as he had been, you know, the four events prior to that. And so, you know, I, I it's hard to say whether any of that's like a hangover from the major championship or whether it's just like a, a blip on the radar, but um, I, I'm at least intrigued by his single digit ownership level. Um, and I, I think from like a large field GPP perspective, I think he probably provides the less, the, the most value um, in terms of leverage on the field. And then, Sergio, you know, we haven't seen for a little bit, uh, wasn't, wasn't great right after his wedding, but you know, I, I was pretty tired after my wedding. I don't, I don't know if you guys are both married and I, I can't blame him for faltering a little bit. So I'm willing to look past it for Sergio and, and I think uh, Sergio and, has taken like one of these early weeks off basically every FedEx cup, hasn't he? Yeah, at least the past few in mind. And I think he, you know, kind of plays himself into a point where he feels like he's got a little bit of safety and he knows like with 80% making the field at this event that he should be able to grab some points here. Right. I imagine there's some type of calculated approach to it like that. Well, with that being said, I think we can talk about 7K guys. And obviously the conversation starts with Adam Scott at 7,900 bucks. Oof, that's. I mean, that's, that's a, a price tag that screams roster me in, in basically any format. Uh, but you have other good names here. You have Jason Duffner, 7,800. Kevin Kistner, 7,700. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of mentioning some, some of the, the names here. This is a really big tier of golfers. You have Daniel Berger at 7,600. Um, you have uh, Schwartzel at 7,500 with a little bit of a, of a price bump from last week. Last week he was 6,900 and, an extreme bargain, uh, and and obviously you also have uh, Tony Finau at seventy one hundred again. Uh, the the thing I will say with Finau is, of late, he hasn't played great. Now this is a guy that I'm expecting to continue to score though, and from a course fit perspective, I like it. So I I will still have tons, but. I can understand from a GPP perspective if you're if you're telling yourself, well, I still believe he'll be popular at this price tag. I don't think a fade is a terrible idea given how he has performed of late. Brad, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I've got a lot of thoughts. Um, to me, Finau is like one of my favorite plays on the board. I, I play Finau basically every week. 
<laughs> and I don't look back. And and I think, you know, like my close followers probably expect this from me at this point. So maybe some of your audience hasn't figured me out yet. But, I mean, Tony Finau, to me, is well outside of this price range. Sure. I can't figure out why DraftKings hasn't adjusted him. Yeah. But in an, an event like this, where you've got a, a big percentage of the guys making the cut, to, I mean, it screams Tony Finau. He's yeah. 7,100. He's been playing well all year. My theory was that he got off the Nike shit and he's into real clubs, but it's a theory. I have no idea. But for whatever reason, Tony Finau has been playing outside of his depth basically all year. There hasn't been that much of an adjustment. I expect he'll be fairly popular. At this point, I don't really care. Like, I'm going to continue plugging Tony Finau in. I'm going to keep rocking and rolling. I'll probably play him in cash. Maybe that's crazy. I'm interested to see what you guys think about that um, with Tony Finau. But to me, there's just there's nothing that says don't play Tony Finau at this point. Now, especially from a cash game perspective, I, I just think you roster him and, and you seriously don't look back. Because he, he's a guy that at least, if he finishes with, with a bad finishing position, you know at least he will score. So I absolutely love that about him. And if you look at, at Drewby's tableau, um, you know, you, you look at the data. Yeah, he hasn't gotten the best results lately. Um, he hasn't been putting great, but he's, he's not a great putter in general. But from a tee to green perspective, he's been just fine over his last few events that the results scream, I've been struggling. Um, Drewby, what are your thoughts on, on Finau? If you have any different thoughts and, and really this range altogether. Yeah, I think the biggest reason he ends up mispriced is DraftKings seems like what, you know, they seem like they weight course history. They also seem like they heavily weight the odds. And, uh, you know, Finau always seems uh, like a little bit underpriced, uh, in the odds markets, at least compared to like the DFS perception of him. And so I think that's why his price is always low. But then if you look at like his DraftKings results, you know, he's definitely outscoring his finished position. And that seems like it hasn't like, caught up and so uh Finau is definitely safe for cash he's definitely somebody I'd consider in cash um I, I think his ownership will be high but not egregiously so uh it was I mean it was pretty hefty last week um but there's at, at least like Patrick Cantlay who's got some early buzz and then just the 7k range in general tons of guys we, we kind of glossed over Justin Rose in the low eights but oh, between yeah. Him and Adam Scott, it's like some some really good value that you can get there. And then a $7,600 Daniel Berger seems like a pretty nice price, single-digit ownership projection right now. Um, and then How about other Phil? Guys, uh, I think i got to get off Phil. <laughs> ah, <I've>, yeah, I'm <laughs> with you. It's yeah, time. It's time to get off Phil, you know. He's, he should be pissed at his daughter. He seems like he's been in the tank ever since, you know, he had to skip the U.S. <laughs> Open. I blame his daughter, too. <laughs> Brad, I have a question for you because we did uh, gloss over Justin Rose at 8100, and the reason why is because um, as I was as I'm doing the podcast, I, I'm staring at my current cash game lineup, and Rose is in it at, at 8100. Oh. Um, look, he played well last week. Uh, the, the the events before that, uh, he was not generating any good results. He he just wasn't playing well. But last week. Uh, we saw some some good results. We saw some good tee to green game, um, some some good stuff around the green approach shots were looking really really nice for him. Uh, is he back, Brad? Can we trust him at eighty one hundred? 
uh, in, in cash games and tournaments? I mean, you can trust them. I don't. I, I can tell you from my perspective, like, I, I won't touch Justin Rose in cash. I don't think he's there yet. I don't feel comfortable with him. And, and part of that is because I'm, I'm staring at Charlie Hoffman, $200 more expensive than Rose, and Adam Scott, $200 less expensive than Rose. And either of those guys, to me, are, are better plays. You've got Sergio, who's not that much more expensive, Patrick Reed. To me, I think the options are there to, to pivot off of Rose. And I'm not really interested in taking that kind of risk on a guy who has really bad course history. I mean, He's made three of seven cuts here. Uh, I'm sorry, four of seven cuts here and hasn't fit- finished better than 16th. So to me, I, I think the risk, the risk is bigger than the reward. And I think there's guys, you know, who have great course history who are, are playing well or at least playing decent. Charlie Hoffman is, is, you know, off the charts in terms of his recent performance. So this is a guy who's won at this exact event. Finished third place two years ago, and you know I, I think makes probably a better cash play than somebody like a Justin Rose. Yeah, do you think that's way off base? And I, I was just gonna say Charlie's been playing well all season long too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I certainly can understand it from that perspective. Um, I don't think you're off base. I think that's I think that's a fair take. I mean, the, last week it was the only positive week that we've seen out of Justin Rose of late. Um, but if I do think that the ownership is going to be low, and I'm still waiting for for Drewby, um to to give us the uh, the ownership projections, uh, if I see that the ownership is going to be low, I'll still fire in GPPs, um, and I, I still have some confidence here in cash games. But Brad, I have to tell you, I can't, I'm kind of liking you so far because basically you're just <laughs> saying, uh, "Hey, you're wrong," and and you're wrong, and usually that just doesn't happen. Here in the podcast. Okay, to be fair, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I did not say those words. <laughs> I will say, Brad definitely stayed on brand filling in for Leon because Tony Finau is just 100% lock. So we're definitely completely aligned there. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, I think for me, like Patrick Cantlay is a really interesting guy in general because his stats have been at such a high level. He's played a you know, a much fewer number of events this year than the average tour player. And I think it makes it like a struggle for me to identify, you know, what to make of him and exactly how underpriced he is. But, um, you know, Jake Nichols from the 15th club was on board with Patrick Cantlay. And that's usually enough for me to say the sample size is probably big enough that I should be giving him uh, a hard consideration in both cash games and tournaments. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of Patrick Cantlay. Oh, I, I really am. I know. I, I know it's crazy because I know everybody's jumping on this train right now. But like, I just don't see. I don't see the possibility that this guy can win. Like, is he a, is he an okay play? Probably. Yeah. I mean, he's he's good. Like, there's no question he's a good golfer. And I think like down the stretch we're going to see a lot out of Cantlay, but. We're talking about the FedEx Cup playoffs. We just watched DJ and Spieth go at each other in a playoff. I I just I can't see it. I cannot see this guy lifting a trophy at the end of this tournament. Yeah, like, I maybe mean, I'm I off think... base there, but it, I just I can't picture that happening, and it doesn't feel like it's. Uh, he may be an okay DFS play, but I yeah. just I don't see it. 
I don't necessarily see him lifting the trophy either, but in fairness, like, I don't, I don't see Bud Colley lifting the trophy. You know, I don't see <laughs> Camillo Villiga, you know, uh, so I mean, there's a, a bunch of people here and I think, you know, the expensive guys, you kind of need them to be ready to lift the trophy, but some of these cheaper guys, you just kind of need them to be able to carry their weight with like a top 30 finish if they're, you know, your fifth or sixth golfer. And uh, yeah, I can see that in the range of outcomes for sure. Sure. Me too. I don't, I, I definitely don't see Canley winning, but uh, out of these cheap guys, all I want is for them to score. And I think Canley has been doing a good job of that. So I, I do like him from a GBP perspective this week. Uh, if we want to talk about the 6K range, there are names. Yes, there, there are certainly names. A few that, that are intriguing. Uh, none that I feel like I can absolutely pull the trigger from a cash game perspective. Uh, but certainly some names with upside. Kyle Stanley staring at me with a $6,900 price tag. Um, Grillo probably staring at Drewby with a $6,900 price tag. Francesco <laughs> Molinari, 6900 Uh Though, man, he has been so tilting. Basically, I play him, he does nothing. I don't play him, and he plays amazing. At least that's been my experience with him this season. Uh, you have Xander there at 6900 as well. Um, you, you definitely have some, some good names in this range. None that are like super appealing for me from a cash game perspective, but I think the names I just mentioned can certainly be used in GPPs. Brad, what's your take here? I, I, I hate this range to be perfectly honest. I, I feel like, like I, I do a little bit of golf betting. I'm sort of just sort of like getting my foot in that door. I can't find a single punt in this range that I really feel comfortable like putting money on this week, which is not normally the case. Um, if I had to pick some guys like for DFS purposes, I actually do like Molinari. I've been playing him basically all year, and up until a month ago, he was actually one of the more consistent golfers that you know was consistently a little bit like Finau in my opinion, underpriced and and you know can play outside of his depth. This year, he's actually not. He's been a little bit uncharacteristic. He's been a little bit longer off the tee. He's been making birdies. He's been doing things that Molinari doesn't do. Um, so I, I'm okay with Molinari. Kyle Stanley scares me a lot. Grillo, I think there's something wrong with him. I mean, he, he's been playing so bad. Like, it's been three months, and we haven't seen anything out of Grillo, really. So I'm probably not interested in Grillo. Outside of that, I mean... There, there's not much here. I mean, I'm going to take some sprinkles of some guys, but I probably won't really jump on on too many guys here too heavily. I'm glad you mentioned that because if you're going to play one of Spieth or DJ, you're going to have to dip into this range. And, and also what that's going to do is take you away from a couple of the mid-tier names. Uh, so as, as we mentioned before, obviously 12k is a lot to pay for those guys if it, they are appropriate price tags you can play them because this is an event that 80 percent of players are going to make it through the cut but just keep in mind it's going to take you away from the mid-tier quite a bit uh drewby do you do you like any punts here anyone attractive for you yeah i think you kind of summed it up at the end where you're talking like at the end of the day you might not like these guys as much but 80 percent of the players are making the cut at least, right. right? Like if there's a if there's a logjam or something, you could have more than that. So, so it feels riskier 
taking on these guys, but it's really not. It's not that risky, and and it does free up a bunch. And so, with my initial builds, I was I was ending up grabbing one of these guys, and not necessarily to unlock like, like DJ or Speed, but to just jam in more talent above. And so, I think you can play these guys. Um, touch on the names. Like I, I like Francesco Molinari. I consider him and Duffner pretty pretty identical golfers um, from like a, a long-term skill set, even from the profile as far as like how they fit different courses, their length off the tee, their ability to keep it in the fairways, their long iron play, their shitty putters. Like those are all things that are very similar to me between the two players. And like Duffner's like a thousand bucks more. Um, every week, Duffner's, like yeah. every week he's, <laughs> that's what still I, I don't get about, about that. I mean, that's the same take I have. I think Molinari is very similar to a lot of the golfers that are a thousand dollars more expensive than him, but he's always cheaper. Yeah. And my, like my buddy's twin was uh Duffner's agent, uh, back in the day. And, uh, like I know that Duffner likes his course and it fits him. He thinks it fits him really well. And it's shown up in some of the tee to green numbers when he played here previously like he didn't necessarily putt well but so his finishes aren't necessarily incredible but the tee green game is there and so Molinari is in play for me I think like Mark Leishman is a guy that um like was struggling a little bit off the tee last week but I think can still make for a good play and then um someone like Kyle Stanley and GPP I, I think is like worthy of consideration too, but not someone I like as much as the other two. And uh, um, I think if you need the the two hundred bucks, then going down from like a a Finau to Molinari can make a lot of sense. We only have a few minutes left here. Uh, did want to brush up on some Fanduel golf, uh, Colin. I I was looking at the pricing over there for this week. It's not terrible. So anytime we say it's not terrible. I guess that's that's a positive uh, for for FanDuel Golf. Um, I didn't I didn't find anyone that I was like, oh man, must play. But there are a couple of names like Chapel sixty seven hundred. I, I felt like that was a good that was a good one. Uh, Can lay over on, on that site sixty six hundred. Woodland sixty two hundred. Uh, Hoffman there is seven K. I thought that was a good price act for him. Um, Rom on that site nine K. Uh, those are some of the names that I felt like were were probably if I if I was to play FanDuel this week they they're likely to make my lineup. Um, Colin, have you taken a look over there, or is there anyone you you particularly like? You know, what, one of the things with the FanDuel pricing is I feel like this week there were a couple of guys that I was hoping to play that I got like priced out of on DraftKings, like I mentioned. Like Duffner was somebody who I liked from a course fit perspective, but I didn't necessarily like his his price there. I think on FanDuel, if you want to build a more balanced uh, roster, then I think you can unlock some of those guys. Uh, and so a lot of times, um, at least the past few weeks, I've been playing both sites, kind of using the same exact projection process and ending up with like completely different exposures. Um, so like Kevin Chapel was an example of somebody that we talked about on DraftKings that we like, uh, drives the ball exceptionally well, can be hot or cold with his putter, but has decent approach game. Well, he seems like he's priced pretty fair 
on DraftKings, and I'd rather just pay up for Kuchar, Casey, but on FanDuel, he's 6700 and he's $2,000 discount off those guys. And so, like, what I'll probably end up doing is building a couple teams on each site, and I'll probably end up with, you know, the Chapel exposure on FanDuel and the Casey Kuchar exposure on DraftKings, and I'll kind of end up with, I don't know, like, exposure to 25 or so guys, 25 or 30 guys across the two sites um, where they're priced a little bit more efficiently. Uh, that makes sense. Um, Brad, where can people find you on Twitter? Can you give us your, your Twitter handle? Yeah, you guys can get me at DFS and uh, make sure to let me know if you have any questions or concerns or or any mess-ups I had today. <laughs> <laughs> you, any mess Brad, ups? you guys, you guys can give me real time feedback if you want. No, no mess ups <laughs> yet. But tell me who your uh, top five projected owned golfers are, and I'll let you know if you have any mess ups. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I've got DJ as number one. Um, I have. I got to look here real, real briefly. Um, I have Paul Casey. Number two, I have Jordan Spieth, number three. I have Tony Finau, number four, and I have Ricky Fowler, number five. Nice. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's pretty pretty aligned. So I am a, for sure there on Finau, Casey, DJ. I actually think that based on his price and the chatter and the odds that Cantlay is going to end up one well, of the highest owned no, guys. I know he's he's yeah. I I bumped him down because I was um, I was afraid of him, but yeah. And then I'm that's... I'm so torn on like uh, Fowler versus Rory, and I'm gonna be like going back and forth on that one till Thursday night probably. Yep, same here. I bumped Rory way down because I I saw the number and I said there's no chance in hell he's gonna be whatever 24 percent owned that showed up and yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, tough. gentlemen, thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. Brad, thank you so much. It, it was really a blast uh, doing this with you. We, we hope you can make it uh, at another time. But that, that's going to do it for this edition of the PGA Premium Podcast, presented by Daily Roto. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Got an old brown bag, big sticky on the back Where the grass don't grow, gonna take a few hacks That place for you, just like me